Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner Future Technology Podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hi, this is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. I have as my guest today, Dimitri Sirota, the CEO of Big ID. We're going to talk about uh, privacy issues and uh, you know some related stuff like that. Dimitri, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for coming. Uh, w- would you mind giving listeners a sketch of what you do? Sure. So Big ID is a company based in uh, uh, the U.S. and uh, Israel, and we basically provide uh, software for enterprises to help them uh, manage privacy for their customer and employee data. Okay. What does that mean, privacy for their data? Is it uh, security for their data or is it, uh, you know, what do you mean? So what we mean is basically there's a number of requirements that organizations need to be able to track and monitor around their customer data. So they need to be able to figure out if they have consent for it. They need to be able to figure out whose data they have and where that data resides. Uh, They need to know in the event of a breach uh, who was affected. Um, So there's a number of these requirements. If they're doing analytics, they need to be able to ensure that the data doesn't have any identifiable information in it. So basically, there's a number of these requirements, some regulated, some some just good practice. And we help organizations basically figure out uh, what data they have, how that data is getting used, and uh, whether the the security and privacy of the individuals is uh, is protected as a consequence. Okay. Well, so what are some use cases? Maybe I know, you know, current clients, maybe you can't give names, but can you anonymize a use case a little bit so that it's still interesting and detailed? Sure. So I think, you know, it's pretty easy to kind of um, speak to kind of a couple of core use cases. And a lot of them follow suit from uh, some of the regulations that are being introduced around the world. Um, so let's talk about maybe some of the regulations, because I think that's instructive to understand where these use cases come from, and then we can talk about the use cases. So uh, first and foremost, uh, I think, uh, well, there are about 124 countries that now um, institutionalize or require a certain level of protection around consumer and employee data. The one, the the law that's probably getting the most attention uh, is one that's uh, set to take effect on May 25th, 2018, uh, in the EU countries. So that law is acronymized as GDPR. It stands for uh, the EU General Data Protection uh, Regulation. Uh, as the name suggests, it's focused on uh, preserving and uh, encoding um, uh, data protection for um, uh, for individuals uh, living in the EU, so residents and citizens. And what's uh, notable about that particular regulation is two things. One, the specificity in terms of what it requires, and I'll talk about that in two seconds. Uh, and uh, second, it's the penalty. So the penalties, uh, the way the law is written, basically can go as high as 4% of a company's global revenue, and they can be fined by one, each of the 28 countries. So it's pretty severe. Uh, And as I mentioned earlier, it's very specific about uh, what organizations uh, need to be able to do. Uh, Do you have a question? That's crazy. Why is it so – I mean, that sounds insanely severe. That that could bankrupt a company easily. Uh, It it, it could. And and keep in mind that each of the countries could levy a penalty up to 4%. And 
honestly, individual countries have actually taken upon themselves to increase the penalty. So Holland or Netherlands, as an example, has actually increased it to 10% uh, for Dutch citizens. And the reason that these penalties are so severe is because it gets organizations' attention. Um, the concern that they have is that companies don't treat the regulation seriously and dedicate the kind of resources and um, uh, compliance uh, innovation or technology to it without these penalties. So these penalties are there for for a reason. They help stiffen stiffen spines and they help uh, garner attention. And that's why they're there. So uh, the penalties are large. And as I said, uh, they're also very specific in terms of what's needed to be done. So as an example, uh, every individual who lives in uh, in Europe has a legal right to their data, meaning that the companies that essentially collect and process their data don't own it. They're essentially acting as stewards or custodians of that data. So that, of course, requires companies have an ability to account for every individual's data. So if I'm a, a citizen of Italy uh, and I want to get my data from any company I interact with, by law, they have 30 days to comply to basically deliver me my data or to erase my data or to port my data to a new service. So first challenge for companies as a consequence is figuring out where Dimitri's data is. And so you're seeing efforts as exampled by that, but also in around breach and also in around um, 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 data identifiability, uh, also in around data flow mapping and, and so forth. And there's a whole number of these requirements uh, from the law, but they are severe and they are serious. And that's how they want companies to behave. They want them to behave seriously. What about, uh, you know, the threat of uh, people that just want to file suit just to be a nuisance or, you know, uh, mass requests for data that inundate a company and, you know, uh, you know, have it uh, take inordinate amount of time or money to comply? Yeah, you know, the law is the law and uh, you could, you, you know, you could only request your own data, but uh, clearly you could be a nuisance if you want. It's still your data. Um, you know, anyway, anyway, whether you, whether whether you're trying to be a pain or whether you have a genuine interest in your data, it's it's your data. And so, what will happen? Uh, I suspect, and this is one of the efforts that uh, uh, Big ID tries to uh, kind of promote, is this idea of self-service. So, if you go to a, a Facebook as an example today, you could basically see what data they have on you. Uh, you get some choices in terms of the type of controls and policies and and what you're willing to share and not share. And most companies are going to have to move to that exact same effort, this idea of being transparent about the data they collect and use, uh, because there really is no effective way to kind of scale otherwise. But again, it will require organizations to be thoughtful and innovative about how they go about doing it. And I think companies will be forced. Companies from the Walmarts to, you know, and I just named them randomly, but any organization will basically need to need to move towards where Google and Facebook already are to some degree in terms of the trans- transparency and accountability they provide uh, their users. Hmm. Are there any parts of the law that, again, will help companies with um, behavior from customers that's, that's unreasonable? Yeah, so it's not so much so you have a right to your data, so there's nothing unreasonable, whether your motivation is altruistic or... Uh, just to be difficult, you have a right to it. And uh, I should add, this is not a European-only thing. There are U.S. states now debating very similar pieces of legislation that would essentially enshrine an individual's right to their data or to be forgotten by a system. Uh, China is introducing something very similar to that. 
And then bits and pieces of what's in the European regulation is now finding its way around the world from Canada uh, to Australia to South Korea to Japan. And the point being is not so much that Europe is an outlier. It's just that around the world, people are taking their data very seriously. Their data is a representation of them. And, uh, and most people believe that whether it's information about them or by them, it belongs to them. And that companies essentially have an agreement to manage or to, take, uh, to be custodians of that data, but they don't own the data. And I think you already see that nervousness, you know, with, with Facebook for many years. And as a consequence, face, Facebook has been proactive in terms of providing uh, that ability to control and a visibility into the data back to consumers. And now all these companies are going to have to follow suit. Hmm. Um, how long have these regulations been active in the European Union? And is there any um, feedback or cases that have come up, you know, where people have filed suit? Is there, you know, what's the evidence that the, you know, the policies are either working as intended or not? Well, so there was a, a precursor. So first of all, it's important to realize that GDPR is not the law yet. There was a grace period of 18 months after the law was passed. So before it takes effect and before um, each country's uh, regulator agency for data privacy can uh, can start um, enforcing the fines. So there is no you know, precedent because right. the law yeah. is, is new and it hasn't taken effect. And you're seeing that even in New York State as an example. They have a new regulation in terms of consumer data protection um, for financial services. So financial services companies have, taken, have to take certain precautions to protect um, the welfare of their customers and, and the protection of their data. That also has an 18-month grace period in order to give companies time to prepare. So that's thing one. Now, will every company be ready? Probably not, because there's always going to be debate as to whether um, uh, whether this or that is covered. But um, having had experience with this uh, in the past with other regulations, like Sarbanes-Oxley, which was a regulation that took place uh, in 2016, but it, it, it did change the way companies operate. Um, they introduced and put in place new kinds of controls because that's what the law required. The law required that you demonstrate that you have controls around your applications, who gets access to them, things of that sort. And that gave rise to whole categories in the security space of single sign-on and identity management and identity governance. And those categories of, of technologies came about in answer to the regulation. Similarly, PCI DSS, a regulation that covers um, the um, uh, the tokenization of, of card data to make it make it harder to to steal. Uh, also, force companies to think through how they how they handle that that class of data in terms of how do they camouflage it, how do they um, how do they find it, and all those other type of things. So, it's not uncommon for regulations to be followed by innovation and technology to make the regulation possible and practical. And if you think about it, this is not really intended to be pernicious or onerous. It's intended to safeguard consumer welfare. So, and, right. and I think it's also important to highlight that in Europe, uh, people view um, personal, personal data rights as citizen rights, as constitutional rights, no different than we would have a right to free speech. Uh, free use and uh, of your data and is is a fundamental right. And so as a consequence, while it may seem kind of foreign to us here, I think for a long time already, there's been this uh, perception that this is 
in the digital world something that is core uh, to their belief. And like I said, it's now kind of seeping, you know, it's kind of spreading around the world. While it may be a view that the Europeans uh, hold dear, you find in the U.S. with particular states like Illinois, New York, California, Washington State, very similar um, uh, propositions and debates about adding new protections around consumer data. Um, what about Internet of Things data, IoT? Everyone talks about the huge proliferation of that kind of data. I mean, how how are companies going to deal with that? Do they even have a framework for deciding? Yeah. So, so the this particular piece of legislation, so there's all kinds of data. There's data around devices. Uh, there's data around intellectual property. There's data around consumers. The regulations and the focus for Big ID is really regulations around identity data. You know, all you know, and there's obviously it's, it's a big amount of the data. Um, and what our approach is is to help companies better manage and govern the data they collect and process around individuals, so identities. Um, now, in the case of IoT, you have a combination, right? If you have um, um, smart cars or um, automotive automation, uh, you collect information about a consumer, right? It's my car. These are the this is the music that I like to listen to. Uh, this is where I, I live, where my car parks overnight. This is where I work because this is where my I navigate to. Uh, you collect a lot of information about preferences and likes and destinations, and that's all personal information. So in the world of IoT, you have a mix of data. You have some data that's just about the devices, like my car and so forth, it's welfare. But if that data is in any way connectable back to me, because I'm the owner or, or kind of the VIN, I have a lease or whatever, then that becomes personal information. And as a consequence, companies are responsible for protecting that information. And there's certain things that they have to have in place uh, to do so. One of them is a way of finding the data. Uh, one of them is a way of tracking consent that, you know, if I've agreed to my data being used in certain ways, they not only have to cons uh, track that I actually did consent to that, and then they need to be able to verify that they only use the data in the way that I consented to. Um, so there's a number of things that they have to put in place. But again, I think whether it's IoT, um, you know, wearables like a, like a wristwatch or health data, there's a large contingent of personal information in that, and uh, that's part of the reason why countries and uh, multinational efforts are underway to kind of better protect that information. Uh, last couple of questions. Is there a de minimis exemption on the size of the company? You know, is it over a certain amount of revenue or it's anyone that has uh, a corporation? Is there particular industries that have different rules than others? Yeah, there's there there's a definition of a covered company, but pretty much anybody in the global 2000 would be a covered company that would be covered by by the regulation, and so they would have to have something in place. Uh, again, the intention of the law is not so much to be a nuisance; it's really about reforming the way organizations deal and process information, but for their their betterment, right? So that organizations. Um, can respond to breaches better so that they could basically ensure that the use of the data is, is better so that they can ensure their customers are happier and more satisfied. But simultaneously, it obviously preserves the integrity uh, of the data that they collect around uh, their customers, their employees, even their clients. Um, now, uh, you know, the, there is no kind of hard and fast rule as to who is going to be made an example of. 
So the law essentially puts in place these caps. Doesn't necessarily mean that every regulator is going to find to the maximum. You know, there's 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 uh, sentencing guidelines, if you will, and uh, it's unlikely unless you're a repeat offender that uh, you're going to get a, a serious fine. But having said that, the fact that it exists, you know, should be a warning to organizations that they need to fu- uh, put in place some level of compliance. They need to be able to satisfy the regulations, uh, either through people, through process, or through product. And um, that's uh, that burden and that onus is on companies. So again, even though there's no prescription of, you know, if you do this, you're going to get fined that, uh, it really just sets more guidelines and caps. Uh, the reality is that there are so many opportunities to go wrong. Because uh, think about it, 28 countries basically have an individually have an opportunity to fine you. Uh, and that fine maximum is so severe that it's, it's very motivating for companies to uh, put, in, to put in place tools and, and processes to, again, better, better safeguard that data and ensure that they won't be fined. Okay, very good. Um, so last question, how can companies um, find you, start a dialogue with you, you know, for you to help them with uh, their compliance? Well, finding us is pretty pretty darn easy. Um, they could just go to our website at uh, bigid.com, B-I-G-I-D.com, and they could even schedule their own demo, and one of our people will show up at whatever time they prescribe and give them a walkthrough of the product and show them how uh, the product could help them satisfy things like data subject access requests, which is that individual right to their data, consent, and a whole bunch of other things, so breach notification, et cetera. So all they have to do, bigid.com, and then uh, in the, on the website, there's more material that they can read through, and they can self-schedule their own uh, demo and trial. Okay, very good. Well, Dimitri, uh, sounds a little bit scary, <laughs> but uh, I hear your reasoning for it. It <laughs> makes sense. Yeah and, yeah, and thank you so much for, uh, you know, for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.